All right, guys. If you have a Bible, open and find Hebrews chapter 3. We're getting very near to the end of our series, Thinking Through the, the Fruit of the Spirit. The Fruit of the Spirit, remember, set forth for us in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. That's a, that is really worth just memorizing, just meditating on for a while. Just each one of those. And you may have noticed as I read that, maybe, maybe didn't, that we uh, sort of got things out of order last week. Um, according to Paul's order here, we should have talked about faithfulness last week and gentleness this week. But somehow when I put the schedule together, I reversed those two. And so Carrie talked about gentleness last week. Uh, well, um, so Riley and Carrie and I have covered nearly all of those in Paul's list. And with the exception of faithfulness, which we're going to talk about tonight, and self-control, which I will teach on after Thanksgiving, um, the week before finals, December the 1st, I think. And just to remind you, uh, when we come back in the spring, our focus next semester in CBS on Wednesday nights, in the weeks before spring break, we're going to think through sort of the unity of the Bible and the, the covenants that, that connect the whole storyline of Scripture. That's before spring break. After spring break, we're going to be thinking about um, how, we, how we practically live out our life of faith, um, the means of grace that God has put into our lives. Sometimes we talk about that in terms of spiritual disciplines. I like to use the term means of grace more than, that's more Godward in its, in its understanding than, than I'm bucking up to do disciplines, that kind of thing. But tonight, we're near the end of Paul's list in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit, which should characterize every believer, every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I don't know if, if in all this series that we have, we've talked about Ephesians, I mean, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, I don't know that we've ever drawn attention to what he says in verse 24. I know I've asked you to turn to Hebrews 3. Don't think I forgot about that. But in Galatians 5, 24, Paul says... And those who belong to Christ Jesus, now think about if, if that's you, all right? If, if you belong to Christ Jesus, that is, how do you do that? By repentance of your sins and, and faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That if that's you, you belong to Christ Jesus. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those things he says are uh, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, they're, they're true of every single person who belongs to Christ Jesus. He, he already acknowledged in, chapter, in Galatians 5 that, that in, the, in the heart of every believer, there's a, there's a war going on inside of them between what he calls the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit, and those who are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Galatians 5, 16, but he says, but if you walk by the Spirit, 
You won't gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what does it look like, though, in, a, in what does it look like in a person's life who is walking by the Spirit? It looks like the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And tonight, we're going to think about the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul there calls faithfulness. And I've asked you to turn to Hebrews chapter 3. Why? Because as I've noted many times, the Holy Spirit's... That's why we spent the first two or three weeks just thinking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role, according to Jesus himself, the way he described it in, in the upper room discourse in, in John 14, 15, and 16, um, the Holy Spirit's role in us is not just to... Uh, it, 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 the Holy Spirit's role is to glorify Christ in us. Um, and, and so then that, that leads to the point that if... Um, if, if the fruit of the Spirit are indeed from the Spirit and His role is to glorify Christ in us, then the fruit in us is going to look like whatever that looked like in Jesus. Spirit's work in us is not just to bring us to repentance and faith and to keep us persevering in that faith, but to produce the character of Jesus in my character. In my, my loves look like Jesus' loves. My passions look like His passions. My hates look like His hates. And uh, as time goes by, we think and we speak and act more like Christ than we used to. That's the aim. And because that is true in this series, we've tried to give particular attention to what did that look like in Jesus so that I have a clear understanding of what it all looked like in me. And, um, and so as we think about faithfulness tonight, I, I tried to think what is the clearest reference to the faithfulness of Jesus, faithfulness of Jesus in the New Testament. And I, I couldn't land on any particular gospel passage, though I think you could, you could, uh, you you could find things. I mean, faithfulness seems more like an umbrella topic. That you're faithful in certain other things, right? Faithfulness alone as a concept doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Faithful in what? So it's an umbrella. It's a, and so I thought, in my estimation, the, the best place that it literally talks about the faithfulness of Jesus is in Hebrews three. So if you have found that place in your Bible, follow along with me as I read in verses 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in hope. Let's pray. Lord, I, I, I pray and ask that you would give us the help tonight to study this, your word, which we confess weekly and we never lose heart in it. This, this is your holy, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, clear, authoritative, and necessary word. 
and just to rehearse again that it's because it is your word, it's holy. Because it's your word, it is inerrant. It's infallible. And uh, because you are infinitely wise, then what you have told us is sufficient for all that we need to know for life and for godliness. And it's because you told us, you gave us this word to communicate the most important things in all reality to us. We trust that it is clear and we, we read it. We know it's clear to us. And because it's your word, it, it carries with it all authority. And it's necessary because if you have not spoken to us, we cannot find you out. We cannot discover you. So thank you for this word. And I pray that you would, as we study it and look at other passages, I pray that you would give us eyes to see the truth. Would you give us minds to understand it, um, hearts to embrace it, wills to obey it. Give us all ears to hear. And give me the help that I need to teach. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you can see the clear intention of that passage that I just read from the writer of Hebrews, that his intention is to highlight, I mean, the whole point of the passage is to highlight the faithfulness of Jesus. And, and to do that especially through comparing and contrasting the faithfulness of Moses with the faithfulness of Jesus. And so what I would like us to do for the rest of our time, and I, I, I say this often and I end up not telling the truth, I don't think it's going to take us a long time because it's not an overly complicated topic here. What I want us to do for the rest of our time, though, is to note two broad aspects of Jesus' faithfulness. So we're going to talk about Jesus' faithfulness first. Two broad aspects of Jesus' faithfulness, and then from that compare what faithfulness as a fruit of the Spirit then ought to look like in us. So if you're taking notes, that's how we'll break it down. First, we'll think about the faithfulness of Christ. And then we'll note two broad aspects of the faithfulness of Christ. There's certainly more that could be said. There's certainly more that could be said anytime I get up here. But, um, yeah, but we'll note two, two broad things about the faithfulness of Jesus from Hebrews chapter 3. And then secondly, we'll think about faithfulness in us, drawing some biblical application for us. And I think... Um, I, think, I think the way we use faithfulness in, just in our culture is just, it's watered down. It's, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot. It just means that, that if, you make, if you make me a promise, you'll keep your word, or you're always there. I mean, that's what faithfulness means. I think biblically, it means a lot more, and it's much more expansive. So let's begin, and let's think first more carefully about the faithfulness of Christ. Now, I've just said that when we think about the faithfulness of Christ here, we're going to think about two broad aspects of his faithfulness, and then carry that over what it ought to look like in us as a fruit of the Spirit. So what are those two broad aspects? Um, there are two aspects that I think we see in this passage. One of them is seen in just what the author says directly about Jesus here. And then the other, the other aspect is going to be gleaned from the comparison that he makes with Moses. And, uh, and I'll go ahead and tell you what those two broad categories are, and then we'll look at them more closely. First of all, the first aspect, Jesus was faithful in his works. Works, W-O-R-K-S. And secondly, Jesus was faithful in his words. In his words. I know that's very broad, 
but that's what the Bible says. Um, and I think those two, those two aspects are broad enough to cover a lot of ground uh, in what our faithfulness to Christ ought to look like. So, let's, let's look at each of those in order, first in Jesus. And we see the emphasis of Jesus being faithful in his works early in this passage. So look at verses 1 and the verse 1 into the first first half of verse 2. Therefore holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the author and the apostle and high priest of our our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him. So as the, as the author of Hebrews is writing this, if you're reading this on your own, in what sense is he thinking that Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him? How, that's, that's the structure. How would you put meat on that bone? All right? Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him. According to the writer of Hebrews, in, in this passage right here, what does he mean by that? In what way was he faithful to him who appointed him. Well, context is king, right? So don't just isolate a verse. Look at it in its context. If you go back just a few verses, don't, don't, the chapter divisions are not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Some dude put those there. So can you believe, by the way, they, that it, 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 it's, it appears likely that the book of Hebrews was originally a sermon. That whole book was a sermon. Wow. Anyway, if you go back just a few verses to chapter 2, at the very end of chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Now, now you, well, let's read these two verses, and, and you tell me, I, I really think that this is the very explanation of what he means by Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him. Verses, chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. Therefore, he, Jesus, had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted... He is able to help those who are being tempted. So in this context, Jesus being faithful in his works looks first and foremost like his obedient life and his, his, his sacrificial death before God for the salvation of his people. I mean, how do you get those two things? Because he makes reference in those two verses to the faithful life of Jesus. In, in verse 17, he mentions that Jesus was made like his brothers in every respect. That's having to do with his earthly life. Made like his brothers in every respect. Now, if you'll look over to chapter 4 really quick, you, you get a little bit more specificity to that like his brothers in every respect. In chapter 4, verse 15, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect, there's that language again, 
every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So when we say that, you go back to chapter 3, when we say that Jesus was faithful in his works, we, we first and foremost, according to the text, mean that Jesus was faithful in his obedience to God. When tempted, he did not sin. He had to be made like us in every way, in every respect as we are. And, and he did it faithfully, meaning, as a faithful high priest, meaning when tempted, he, he was obedient to God. He was faithful to God. He was obedient to the Scriptures. He was obedient in his fight against temptation. He, was, he, he demonstrated faithfulness in goodness, as Riley well defined it in, the, in a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember how Riley defined goodness? He defined goodness as obedience to the will of God. Anytime we are in line with the will of God and the will of God is in, we have the will of God in, in scripturated form called the Bible. Anytime our lives come into conformity and we are doing what it says ought to be done, that's good. That's goodness. Faithfulness in goodness is, is, is what um, Jesus was doing. Jesus' life was so obediently faithful to God the Father that in his high priestly prayer in John 17, verse 4, Jesus could pray this. Just imagine you lived your life in such a way that at the end of it, this is what you could pray to God. Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished all the work that you gave me to do. I mean, that's a bold prayer, but it's true prayer in his case. That, 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 and that faithfulness, according to this text, it wasn't just his obedient life. That, that obedience to the, to the word and to the will of God in Jesus, being made like we are in every respect, yet without sin, that obedient life would ultimately culminate in his substitutionary sacrificial death on the cross. Again, look at chapter 2, verse 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. So Jesus was faithful in his works by, in what sense? Obedience to God, in this case for the, for the salvation of his people. But if you... If you look carefully, it's also this text and the book of Hebrews as a whole is not only highlighting Jesus' um, faithfulness toward God, toward God, but also faithfulness in his works toward his people. He's a high priest who relates God to people to God and God to the people, right? Because um, notice it says. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in, in every respect so that he might become what? A merciful and faithful high priest. A merciful high priest. He wasn't showing mercy to God. He shows mercy to us. A merciful high priest. If you look in, again, chapter 4, verse 15, Jesus, we have a sympathetic high priest. He's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. 
If you look over at chapter 7, verse 25, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to him, near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's the priestly work. So he's a, he's a persevering high priest. Persevering in what? Persevering in intercession for us at the throne of God. And he demonstrated that in his life. Interceding himself in prayer for his people. Think about, we, it's not just now that he's doing that at the Father's right hand. He did it in his life. That, just that particular example I'll give an illustration of. Remember in, in, um, in Luke chapter 22... Verses 31 and 32, Jesus told Simon Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to have you, to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And it's John 17. And you can literally, you can literally read in John 17, Jesus praying for you. A literal prayer that he prayed for you, for me, in John 17. But if you're looking in Hebrews again, so he, you know, you, you got in chapter 12, look in chapter 12. Jesus is presented as a high priest throughout this whole book. But again, you know how, you know how our passage began in chapter 3? Go to chapter 12, but our passage began in chapter 3 saying, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, consider Jesus. You have another consider Jesus in chapter 12, verse 3 and following. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, my son? Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves. He chastises every son whom He received. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom His Father does not discipline? So it goes on. But He's a disciplining high priest. That's part of His works toward us. Toward a good end. Go to chapter 13, all the way to the end, of the end of the book. Chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. This is the benediction of the book. Still in view of Jesus as a high priest, both the high priest as well as the, the sacrifice he himself offered. Chapter 20, verse, chapter 20, and 21, verse 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant... May he equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So he's a shepherding and he's an equipping high priest. So go all the way back to chapter 3. We've seen this journey through Hebrews that he is a... Jesus is being faithful in his works, in his obedience to God and in his acting in all these ways toward his people, merciful and sympathetic toward us, persevering in intercession for us, disciplining and correcting us, shepherding and equipping us, obedient to God, and 
honoring God and like God in all his actions toward us. Be thinking about it. That's what we're seeing in the faithfulness of Jesus. Faithfulness in Jesus looked like honoring to God in his works as well as honoring to God and, and like God in all his actions toward his people. So, but Jesus, in, in Hebrews 3, wasn't just faithful in his works. Script, this scripture also seems to emphasize faithfulness to Jesus, of Jesus in his words. All right? So we see, the, we see that here in the, in the comparison made between Jesus and Moses. Look again in verse 2. Jesus, who was, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. Jesus was faithful in all God's house, just like Moses was faithful in all God's house. So you have to ask here again, what does he mean by this? We, did, we asked the same question about Jesus. What did he mean when he said Jesus was faithful to him who appointed him? Well, what does he mean when he says Moses was faithful in all God's house? That ought to tell us something. And I think the phrase, faithful in all God's house, that phrase is the clue. So, again, hold your place here. This time, go all the way back to the Old Testament. Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, chapter 12. Numbers, chapter 12. Numbers chapter 12. In your, in, your, in, your, um, in your yearly Bible reading, when your Bible reading plan gets to Numbers, don't be like, oh, Numbers? No, Numbers is good, y'all. It's good. But anyway, mo- Numbers chapter 12. And the, the, the chapter begins with Miriam and Aaron. They're speaking against Moses, and they're like, why is Moses so special? What's the big deal about Moses? They say in verse 2, has not God also spoken through us? And then he slips in this, con- this little phrase at the end of verse 2, and the Lord heard it. And in verse 5, he comes down in a pillar of cloud, and they're like, whoop. Um, he stood at the entrance of the tent, and, and he called Aaron and Miriam. And they're like, oh, and the Lord just has a talk with him. And he basically says, um, he just affirms that Moses is a greater prophet than any other. Why is Moses a greater prophet than any other? How is Moses a greater prophet than any other? Well, we see in verse 7, that phrase. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. That's the phrase that, that the book of Hebrews uses. Moses is faithful in all my house. In what sense, God? Verse 8. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. So, what is he saying there? He's saying in Moses' case, he's greater than any other prophet because in Moses' case, He was faithful in all God's house because he spoke the word of the Lord to the people 
but God spoke to him face to face without any other mediator there. And then he spoke the word to the people. But we go back to see we go back, go back to Hebrews three and we see the comparison. And we look at Hebrews chapter three, verse five. We see that even when the Lord spoke directly to Moses more clearly than any other prophet, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5 says that even with all that, Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant. So even greater than any other human prophet, he was still merely a servant. Christ, on the other hand, verse 6 was faithful over God's house as a son. His being is better. He is God himself. Even as closely as Moses spoke with God to get his words, Jesus is God. And when he speaks, he is speaking from himself God's words. Without need of a prophet through whom to speak. And so you see that in it. You see... That's why when you read the Gospels, you have things like in, in Luke 4, and, they, and it says early on in Luke 4, they say, oh, they just marveled at the gracious words that they heard. Later on in, in Luke 4, they just marvel at the authority with he, that with he taught the Scriptures. He, like, he doesn't teach like any of our other teachers. This is his word. And in John 8, Jesus would say, I speak only what the Father, with whom He is one, I speak only what the Father teaches me to speak. So, trying to tie some of this together. If goodness, if goodness is, I think this, is, this might be something to write down or something. <laughs> if goodness is measured in terms of conformity to the will and the Word of God, if that's what goodness is, conformity to the will and word of God, if that's what goodness is, then faithfulness would seem to be perseverance in that goodness. It's just the perseverance in that goodness because goodness can take on a whole lot of different variety if, if, if what goodness is is conformity to the will and the word of God. Faithfulness is then is just the perseverance in that. We see that to be true in Jesus which would seem to be the model for us as well. The Holy Spirit in us is at work to glorify Jesus in us by conforming us over time into the likeness of Jesus. And, and so faithfulness in us should be measured against faithfulness as it is in Jesus. So let's think about that for the last couple of minutes and we're, we're winding it down because I've said the bulk of what I'm going to say and it's just applying him to us. Let's think about faithfulness to, in us. What should that look like? If faithfulness in Jesus was, on his, was in his works and his words, and in his works and words always being conformed to the will and the work of God, then the same is true for us. How are we to pursue faithfulness in our works just as Jesus did? Well, let's consider that. Jesus was faithful in his works toward God. How does that translate to us? Because somebody might say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Jesus, his faithful obedience was toward a specific mission that we don't have. Jesus alone was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Jesus alone was obedient in a sinless life for the purpose of earning salvation for his people. But, so, I mean, like, I, that's, I, that's not my mission. But for us who have repented and, and trusted in Jesus in his obedience for our salvation, we are now called faithfully to obey and to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, Philippians 2, 12, and 13, which we saw in the very first week of this series. Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Jesus was obedient in our place for our salvation, but not so that our obedience would no longer matter. That's not why. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 3, 11, be faithful in all things. That sounds broad and sweeping because it is broad and sweeping. Be faithful in all things, Timothy. What was Timothy? Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus. Why is he telling Timothy to be faithful in all things? So that he and his life would be a model for all the other church in Ephesus to follow his, his example. The Lord, we're in Revelation right now on Sunday mornings. You might, you might remember in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, when we were thinking about the church in Smyrna. Jesus told the church in Smyrna, the whole church, be faithful unto death. Being obedient to the word and the will of God, no matter what the cost is. So Jesus was, Jesus was faithful in all things. And he was faithful unto death. He for our salvation, we so that his life is rep reproduced in us. And we are more accurately his body in the world when we are like that. Faithfulness in us is first measured by our obedience to the word of God. But Jesus was also faithful in his works to his people. Remember, he was a sympathetic, a merciful high priest, a sympathetic high priest, a persevering high priest, a disciplining and correcting and shepherding and equipping high priest. So Christ-like faithfulness in us cannot fail to include faithfulness in our works toward each other. Which stresses again... If, 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 faith, if biblical faithfulness requires not just my faithfulness to God, but my faithfulness to you, that stresses, again, the non-negotiable importance of the church in your life. That is, the church is not, do I feel like going to church today? Do I feel like waking up? Yeah, you better wake up. You need to go. You need to be there. You need other people. They need you. I mean, just, and, and th just think about, let's just zoom out and think about the New Testament as a whole. Think about all the one another passages. Like, faithfulness is measured against how obedient are we to that will of God and that, the Word of God. And so, faithfulness in our works to one another would biblically be measured by things like love one another. John 13, 34, and 16 other places love one another be devoted to one another Romans 12:10 honor one another above yourself Romans 12:10 live in harmony with one another Romans 12:16 if you're a divisive person that's unfaithful <laughs> 
build up one another, Romans 14, 19. Care for one another, 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Serve one another, Galatians 5, 13. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, 2. Forgive one another, Ephesians 4, 15. Be patient with one another, Ephesians 4, 2. Be kind and compassionate to one another, Ephesians 4.32. Submit to one another, Ephesians 4.32. Show hospitality to one another. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And I'll just say this as we, as we come to a close. You, you can carry on in the same way with our words. Because so many of the one another commands have to do with our words. Admonish one another, Romans 15.14. Stop passing judgment on one another. Romans 14, 13. Speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4, 15. Do not lie to one another, Colossians 3, 9. Teach one another, Colossians 3, 16. Comfort one another, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Exhort one another, Hebrews 3, 13. Stir up one another to love and good works. Hebrews 10.24. Don't slander one another. James 4.11. Don't grumble against each other. James 5.9. Pray for one another. James 5.16. Confess your sins to one another. Why such emphasis on our words? I mean, when we think about faithfulness, we think about actions. Why is faithfulness also measured against our words? Because Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in the well comes up in the bucket. Bottom line is this. Faithfulness in us, as it was in Jesus, as it is in Jesus, is faithfulness in our works and in our words, both to God and to each other, measured by the Scriptures. There are only so many different ways to say it. And I'll end with saying this, like, that, that's really broad. So it kind of seems un, overwhelming if you think about it. Be faithful in all your works. Holy smokes. Does it seem overwhelming? It should. It actually should seem impossible because this, this kind of faithfulness, we remember, is a fruit of the Spirit in us. And, and, and this, this kind of faithfulness comes about as He works in us over time, as we abide steadfastly in His Word and in prayer and in the company of His people. That's how it happens. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for um, Your Word that, that, that teaches us uh, so much. I know that when, when we think about the final we think about the final um, fruit of the spirit of self-control for example Lord we, that is very specific and very pinpointed toward an action in our lives faithfulness is just it's so expansive it, 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 it has to do with everything we say it has to do with everything we do. Every action, every word, every thought. 
is faithful or unfaithful to you and to each, or to each other. And so I pray that as we do exactly what Hebrews told us to do, consider Jesus. As we consider him over and over again, and we, we think deeply and abide in the word, not only, not only when we wake up in the morning and read the word, or before we go bet, to bed at night and we read the word, but on Sunday and Wednesday and Sunday and Wednesday and on Sunday and on Wednesday, and we meet with, this, with your people Sunday and Wednesday, a missional community group in the, in the week. Mold us, shape us. I pray that every day we would grow in faithfulness like Jesus in our works and in our words. Find us faithful, I pray, and make us faithful. We can't do that on our own. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.